Welcome to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. This is the place where we talk to people who have had weight loss surgery and successfully kept the weight off. We learn what to expect before and after surgery. We uncover the tips and tricks that will make you a success. And now, here's your host, Dan Abley. So today we have a newbie. Fallon had gastric bypass surgery only two months ago. The process and recovery is still fresh in her memory. This episode, we're going to focus on the first two months after surgery. We'll be asking Fallon questions about her fears going into surgery, what the first couple of days were like, hunger, pain, fatigue, and I'm even going to ask her about flatulence. All the good stuff that we often skipped over. But before we get into that, Fallon, tell us your story. Sure thing. I was overweight from a young age. I was actually put on my first diet at nine years old. It was the Dolly Parton diet, the whole cabbage soup thing all day. And that developed a really unhealthy relationship with food for me. The rest of the family was eating Pop-Tarts while I just had this bowl of cabbage. I still can't eat cabbage. And I ended up sneaking food a lot and always hiding when I eat and things like that. When I was around 18, this habit actually made a complete 180 and went into the opposite direction. I had an eating disorder. I was eating about 200 calories a day plus multiple diet pills a day. Because of this, not only did I gain weight because I put my body in starvation mode, I ended up having some type of stroke. After that whole thing, I was able to regain walking and all that stuff, luckily, but I was afraid to diet on my own. I didn't know how to do it right, and I just kept gaining. At 24 years old, I was 324 pounds. Many of my doctors suggested the surgery for me, my primary care, even my OBGYN before I tried for kids, but I wasn't too sure. I was only 24, and it seemed very finitive and dangerous. Unfortunately, in a very vain attempt thing, the thing that pushed me over for surgery was actually not fitting on a theme park ride at my husband's work event. I ended up looking up surgery that day and decided, yeah, I need to make the change in my life. And here I am. There's a lot there that I wasn't even ready for, I have to say, Fallon. So you had an essentially a diagnosed eating disorder, correct? Basically, because I was still overweight, they couldn't call it anorexia, which really made recovery a lot worse, to be honest. I was basically too fat for my diagnosis. And it just, it was rough, but I was still gaining, which made it even odder for me, because you often associate that type of thing with someone who's 100 pounds dripping wet. Did you seek treatment or did you get treatment? I got some treatment through, you know, psychology, things like that, so that I was trying to get a healthier relationship with food, but honestly, the full healthy relationship didn't fully start until I started the process for surgery. And so leading up to surgery, after that day trying to get on the roller coaster, do you feel like going into this, you were prepared for the, uh, I guess, the after effects of surgery, kind of that, the emotional side of things, and then being able to stick to um, a a diet post-surgery? Well, for me, because of my 
personal history, I had to do six months of psych to make sure that I was mentally prepared. And I admit at the time I was very frustrated. I thought it was ridiculous. But looking back, I'm really glad that they did that. Going through six months of psych to help get my mind in the place it needed to be for success after after surgery was very crucial. I know a lot of people hate that part, but I'm, and I was one of them. I was always complaining, I can't believe I have to do all these psych appointments, but it was something I needed. Was it once a week you would go see the psychologist? I would go once a week, yes. And I also would go to all the support groups that my doctor offered, Mm -hmm. which have been amazing. Just out of curiosity, did your insurance cover it, the psych appointments? Yes. Okay, good. Because that's something that we always get questioned about insurance coverage and, and how do I go through the entire process. So that's good. So leading up to surgery, you had your psych. I'm guessing that you did a medically supervised diet pre-op as well? Yes. I had to lose 10 pounds pre-op because I'm also very tall. So they only had me lose, I think, 10 pounds pre-op and that was actually interesting because at one point I was told, okay, you're getting too much protein in. We need to concentrate on veggies now. But it, it worked well. It helped me get a better idea of what life would be like post-op mm-hmm. to understand what eating would be like, things like that. And it also helped because my husband would come to a lot of those visits because he was better at explaining it to me, which was nice. Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at options, he'll be like, why don't you look up this meal and it ends up being perfect. So we're learning with this together, which is nice. So you had your psych counseling, you had your nutrition counseling, you went to support groups. Now we're getting to the day of surgery. Tell us about that. Were you afraid? I was a nervous wreck. The night before, my mom, my best friend and my husband, they would sit down and play board games with me so I could actually try to relax because that's how I relax and it didn't even work. That's how nervous I was. I remember leaving the house and like feeling like I was going to have a panic attack going to the hospital. And then I got there and about to check in and get a call that my surgery was canceled. And the complete devastation that I felt proved to me that I was ready for this because if I wasn't, I would have felt relief. Luckily, my surgeon was really awesome, and he heard how devastated I was, and he made sure to schedule me later that day. So no harm, no foul. Oh, that's great. Do you know why the surgery was canceled? Was it? He had an emergency surgery through the night, and it was basically okay. a keeping me safe type of thing because you wouldn't mm-hmm. want your surgeon working on you when he's been up for the past 14 hours. So yep. it was a legitimate reason. So later that day, they will you in. You have surgery, and you wake up in the hospital. Tell us about that. When I woke up in the hospital, I was a little loopy at first, Um, but I know that the first thing I wanted to do was walk. And as soon as they would let me, I walked up and down the hall. That night, trying to sleep was not working. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get comfortable. My pain hit about a seven or an eight on a scale of one to 10. And it was awful. It was really bad pain. But I also went in expecting the pain because let's be honest, this type of surgery is very invasive surgery and it's going to hurt. And I know having that fact in my head when I went into surgery is what 
helped me come to terms with it when I was going through it. So the first night, though, even though painful. I was expecting it, it was really painful. And this was a laparoscopic gastric bypass, correct? Correct. Where was the pain mostly located? You know, I can't even recall. Okay. I had to actually look back at my blog to remember how I was feeling that night mm -hmm. because I think it's just a wonderful evolutionary advantage our minds do that we can sometimes forget that type of pain, but I don't even remember where it was located. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally understandable. I think the medication also helps us forget a little bit. Yeah. So how long were you in the hospital? I was there about two days. Was day two any better than day one? Oh, yes. Every day got better. So that was good. I found the biggest struggle I had on day two was I was afraid to drink anything because I didn't want to feel more pain. Mm -hmm. But that eventually subsided. And so they discharged you on day three. Is that right? Yes. Day three. Your third day. Okay. What's that like typically? The surgeon comes in, I would imagine. Are there some tests that they run before discharging you? For me, they did vitals and I just had to pass gas. Okay. So <laughs> that was basically the deciding if I was good to go. Okay. Because I also, I didn't get sick over anything I was drinking. I didn't get sick over the water or the protein shakes or anything. So I was very lucky. So they really just needed to make sure my inner plumbing was working, I guess. Yep. And so you get discharged, you go home. I assume, was your husband around to help you out? My mom actually flew up from Florida. Okay, great. So my husband would be helping when he wasn't at work, but my mom was here for about three weeks to make sure that oh, I was that's okay. Great. That's great. And once you got home, was there anything... I? Were you resting most of the time? Were you up on your feet as much as you could? What what was kind of the discharge instructions for you when you got home and, and what did you do? I was expected to walk as much as possible, but I was also expected that I was going to be sleeping more and that I needed to rest because, again, your body is recovering from major surgery. So it was kind of a balance between walking a lot and resting. Did you seem... In fact, this is not just, I guess, for that first week or two, but often we hear of, you know, unbelievable fatigue. I'm just kind of tired all the time for that first month or two. Is that something that you experienced? Yes, it would be something where you wake up feeling tired mm -hmm. and it's absolute hell, especially when you're released to go to the gym and you're barely having enough energy to do day to day stuff. And you're like, well, I have to go work out and I can't even make dinner. <laughs> so I've been dealing with that, but I found making sure I get my vitamins in and stuff sort of helps with the fatigue. And so you're still deal dealing with it now, it sounds like. Yeah, it's gotten better than the first couple weeks, but I definitely feel fatigue mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> I think part of that is probably due to the very restricted diet those first four weeks. Can you tell us about the diet that first week and maybe the second and third week as well? Sure. The first, from two weeks pre-op to week three post-op, so it was about four weeks in total, I was on a pure liquid diet. And 
then after that, I could only have soft foods like eggs and things like that. And I have to tell you, Tan, that first egg tasted like it came from heaven after four <laughs> weeks of protein shakes. But it was a very limited thing. Eventually, I was able to eat, you know, soft fish like tuna, things like that. And that got me through as well as some cheese. So I would scramble an egg and put cheddar cheese in it, things like that. So it's focusing on, on proteins that are soft. It sounds like that second week or third week, right? It was the third and fourth week. Yeah. You were just okay. focusing on soft proteins and it felt like you were constantly eating because a lot of the soft proteins at that point, they were high in protein, but it wasn't enough to get 60 to 70 grams in. Mm -hmm. So you were, I was also doing protein shakes with that stuff, but eventually it got easier. <laughs> the liquid diet portion, which everyone kind of skips over, but this always intrigues me. That seems so difficult to me to just drink, especially clear liquids, at least I think for the first few days after surgery, but then even protein shakes. Do you feel hungry during that time? Pre-op I did. Pre-op I was always hungry. Um... And that's because pre-op, you're typically required a week or two prior to surgery to start this uh, uh, really kind of a protein-only diet, right? Right. I was lucky that my doctor allowed a small salad and two pieces of fruit a day. So I would save my pieces of fruit for when I was about to go crazy because I needed something to chew. <laughs> and I would have the salad for dinner towards the end of the day. But the rest of the time, it was just protein shakes. And it took me a while to find a protein shake that I liked. I found that the ones that I made in the blender and stuff like that, they didn't taste bad, but it felt like I was drinking milkshakes all day, which it was very, it wasn't very good on a texture level. Mm -hmm. So I actually used Premier Protein, which in like 11 ounces was 30 grams of protein. Where do you get that if someone wanted to buy that? I found it in a local store called Stop and Shop. I have seen them, I believe, in Walmart. You can also get them on Amazon.com, and I believe okay. you can get them at Costco. Okay, good to know. Mm -hmm. And then that week after surgery, when you are just doing the protein shakes, is there some hunger during that time? I didn't feel hungry. I had to remind myself to drink my shakes my mom would actually come in if it's been a while and be like, are you behind on protein already? <laughs> and make, so she, she helped make sure and all of that. How long did that last where you weren't hungry? I still don't feel hunger. It's when I need something, it feels more like an empty feeling than a hungry feeling. And that really only happens when it's, four or five at night and I haven't gotten as much protein as I should at that point. But I still feel like I have to force myself to eat. That's amazing. Yeah. It's such a weird feeling because I went from being hungry all the time to, oh, I've got to eat something again. I don't want to eat. <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the big benefits of gastric bypass, at least compared to uh, gastric banding or the lap band. Yeah. So the other thing I did want to ask you about is from an emotional standpoint, you have this history with food and now you barely crave it. 
How are you dealing with where you're at now emotionally? Well, I have dealt a little bit with head hunger, um, to which I've been trying to handle it rationally. And some, as you know, emotions aren't always very rational. So that's been actually a challenge. Tell us what, what is head hunger? Head hunger is when you're in your mind, you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to die if I don't have some cookies or some something that's not good for you, things like that. And you feel like you absolutely need it, but you don't actually need it. It's kind of stemmed from the idea of a food addiction, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I have dealt with that where I'd be like, oh my God, I really want a chocolate chip cookie. And of course, this is when Pizza Hut releases their whole little cookie pie thingy. And I'm like, really? (laughs) And honestly, how I've dealt with it wasn't always the best way. I will admit, I, my husband ordered that and I had a bite of it and I ended up getting sick, which was enough to deter me from doing that, but understand that not everyone is going to get sick on that. So I really wish I would have had a little bit more willpower with that. Something I found that actually works for me is if I'm feeling the head hunger for something sweet, I'll drink a cup of milk for two reasons. One, it gets protein in, and two, I have to wait 20 minutes after drinking the milk, and hopefully with that 20 minutes doing something to distract myself, it'll be enough to sort of surpass the head hunger. Interesting. And since we're on the topic of food, I I did promise our listeners that I would ask you about flatulence, (laughs) and I cannot let them down. So, you know, bad gas is pretty common after gastric bypass, and particularly as you try new foods, and in fact, sometimes with milk. Um, Did you experience this and any advice? The first few weeks, it was awful. The gas pains, things like that. It was absolutely horrendous. What I did, what's been my saving grace, are gas extracts. I keep them in my purse, and whenever I feel like I'm not feeling too well because of it, I just take one strip. It says two. I got away with just one, so your mileage may vary. But take that, and it's helped so much. It's called gas extra? or Gas X strips. Oh, gas. Like, you remember how they used oh, to the have strips. those Listerine gotcha. strips? Yes, yes. I didn't know they had that. Oh, yes. It's been a saving grace for me. Very cool. Good to know. There's a little tip for everybody out there. Stock up. Yes, absolutely. But don't bring them in the hospital because remember, I had to pass in order to be released. (laughs) And they don't force you to pass. It just sort of minimizes it. So I would not Uh bring them into the hospital. I just use them at home. Okay. And so today, are you managing pretty well on the whole flatulence front? Um, Yes, I am. Okay. I've had to remind my husband that I don't appreciate when he rates them, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just kind of part of it. It is what it is. Yeah. But gas X strips are the way to go. Absolutely. Cool. Now, um, what would you tell others who are getting ready to have surgery? Well, the weight wall, you feel like you're jumping through hoops totally understand it feels awful for me it was a 10-month process but I'm going to tell you that you need to do what you're told and it's worth it and it feels like you know at some point you don't have the motivation to continue it things like that it's totally worth it just keep pushing through remember that that time period whether it's 10 months or two years it's going to pass anyway it's not going to stop whether you're 
doing the process or not. So you might as well do something to make yourself a better you. I think that's great advice. Kind of lastly, do you have any tips or tricks for those first few weeks after surgery? I thought the gas X strips is an excellent tip. Anything else you want to add to that? Well, like I've mentioned before, expecting the pain because it's a major surgery will help you come to terms before you have to deal with it. I think that's important. For me, my hospital gave me a cough pillow that was actually just made from a hospital blanket. And I asked to bring it home, and I'm glad I did because you don't only use it for coughing, you use it for sneezing or laughing. And I have some wonderful, wonderful big brother who thought it was hilarious to watch me laugh while I was dealing with this on Skype. So that's definitely, if your hospital doesn't provide one, I found just a simple throw pillow or a folded up blanket works really well also. Another thing is body pillows for sleeping because we didn't have a recliner for me to sleep in the first couple of weeks. So I basically propped myself up on a couple body pillows at home that helped me be able to get comfortable enough to sleep. And if you're a girl who is still on their cycles, I recommend getting some Mydol Complete. It has to be the complete one, though, because that's the only one without an NSAID in it. The rest have NSAIDs. But the Mydol Complete is great because four days after I started my period, and that's actually very common from my understanding. Hmm. That's uh, awesome advice. I'm actually taking notes. Um <laughs> So the other thing, well, in fact, I did have a question. Cough pillow. Uh, I know what they are, but can you describe for people listening what they are and how you use them? Sure. Mine was actually just a hospital blanket that they folded up into this rectangle type of thing and taped it up. It was actually very, it wasn't very elegant. We'll just leave it at that, but it worked. And it's on the harder side so you don't want something too fluffy you want something a little stiff and you hold it up to your gut when you're coughing sneezing laughing all those things require those muscles and they're very sore from surgery i even used it in the beginning when getting up or sitting down from a chair things like that it came with me everywhere bringing it in the car is great because the bumps hurt things like that if your hospital won't let you bring yours home, you can use a throw pillow. You can make your own out of a blanket at home, things like that. But it's definitely something that helped with recovery for me. Very cool. So, Fallon, I found you on Facebook, on a Facebook group. And in fact, during my research, you've got a Facebook page of your own that's pretty interesting. It's called Becoming Thin Lynn. Can you tell our listeners about it? Yes, I created this Facebook page actually for multiple reasons, one being that I wanted a place where if anyone was going through the process, they could see someone going through it start to finish, and another because I didn't want this information clogging my own wall, so it just let me put this information there, and whoever wanted to see it could, and if they didn't want to see it, well, they didn't have to see it. So it's actually, it's been a great tool for me because when I find out information, I put it there, like finding out Peptal-Bismol and NSAID, things like that. And I found that a couple people who've had surgery before me, they're like, I never knew that. I take that. I should stop taking that, things like that. So it's been a great way for me to just sort of feel like I'm not alone in this journey. And hopefully, if I, hopefully I feel like if I help at least one person with their own journey, that it's a good thing, that type of thing. Yeah, 
In fact, um, how well, first off, I didn't know Pepto-Bismol was an NSAID, so that's great information. <laughs> but how would someone, if they wanted to follow you on Facebook and get all these little tips and, and watch you lose weight, how would they find you? It's simple, really. It's facebook.com slash becoming thin Lynn. Lynn only has one N. And just hit like. It doesn't need approval, anything like that. So it's pretty straightforward. Cool. Well, I urge you guys to reach out to uh, Lynn on her Facebook page. Again, it's facebook.com slash forward slash becoming thin Lynn. It's a very very interesting to see some of the uh, amusing kind of posts and then also see her progress. It looks like, where are you at today? About 50 pounds down in just two months? 55. Good for you. Thank you. Lynn, thank you for sharing your story. And more importantly, thanking, thank you for letting me ask you about your gas. <laughs> uh, again, while some of these questions today may have seemed trivial, these are the things that people want to know and they and absolutely should be prepared for. And again, some of these tips, such as knowing that Pepto-Bismol is an NSAID, the might-all-complete tip, uh, getting body pillows when you, when you come home and having them ready, those are great tips and, and will help people along the way. So again, Lynn, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Before and After Bariatric Surgery Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher Radio. As always, check out the before and after photos from today's interview on obesitycoverage.com. If you'd like to be interviewed for an upcoming podcast, email us at info at obesitycoverage.com. Remember, it's never too late to get healthy.